Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Go back to that last song. And the last main verse is uh, from the moment that you rose or the morning that you rose. Can you find that for me and, and start right there? Now, how many of you, that was a new song to you? Anybody? That was new to you? Okay. All right. Let's just read what we just pressed. Till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born. And the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom, I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father. We're so unworthy of that. tired. Have you ever felt tired? Have you felt tired lately? Man, it seems like just a new normal for the world. You ask people how they're doing, right? I'm tired. Uh, It's just like uh, the the new answer. Um, I talk to people all the time and they are working nonstop. And as soon as they get home from work or on the weekends, the weekends are just jam-packed or their evenings are jam-packed, filled with activities, calendars packed tight. Um, and, and we just don't seem to have much margin in our week for the word rest, do we? For the word rest. Uh, I read an article that was published in May of this year by The Guardian And it defined the year 2023 with the word hyper-fatigue. Hyper-fatigue. Now, uh, hyper means extreme, and you know what fatigue means. But hyper-fatigue, and it really went on to say our world doesn't know what to do about it. There is a word in the Japanese language that was created in the last about 15 to 20 years called Kuroshi. And it means, and this is a thing in Japan, Kuroshi is the idea of working yourself to death. And so in Japan, there are people that are 30 and 35 and 40 and 45 who are working 120 hours a week, hours and hours of overtime. And, and, and at 35 and 40 years old, their bodies have just said, I don't have any more in me. And they're dying. And the only word that that these doctors who are looking into their cases can say is Kuroshi. And it means to work to death. It's just been an interesting thing in our world. 
And I, whether we're physically exhausted or mentally exhausted, sometimes that's worse than the other, isn't it? It's, it'd be easier to be physically tired and mentally alive than mentally tired and physically alive. So sometimes those are just as hard. Or spiritually tired. Have you been there where you just feel like your spiritual gas tank is running on empty? Just me again, huh? And so, you know, we, many times when we're working, we think that we are what we do. That my value, my worth to my employer, to my job is based on how much I can get done in a week, right? And, and that, that takes place even in the church. Our lives are just busy. And we, we don't leave work, or we leave work, and a lot of times we don't stop until bedtime. And um, we've got three children, and three children are busy, and many times we have two to three soccer practices a night after uh, work is done, and so we put the kids to bed, and then we work at other things, whether that's cleaning up uh, the kitchen or the house, or Liz doing stuff for school, or whatever that might be. Um, there's ju it's just, it's long. And it seems like in our culture, we just kind of have believed the lie that busyness is next to godliness, right? And we just know that can't be true. Corey Ten Boom said it really well. She said, if, if, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. We don't often think about it that way, do we? If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. But there's a buzzword in our culture these days, and it's called burnout. Burnout. How many of you have heard that word before? Um, and it's just that candle that's burning all the way. Liz last night or this morning said to me, I seem to be burning a candle at a thousand ends. I didn't know they made that kind of candle, but Liz has one. And so she's burning it. And the enemy of the saints loves it when God or God's people fill their days with stuff. Work, activity, play, all those things that we have little or no time for rest. And for a relationship with God. So today we're going to look at the idea of, uh, of coming apart before we fall apart. Okay, we got to come apart before we fall apart. Or getting away before we break down. Alright? And so this is for you and this is for me. And I, can I just go ahead and make a confession at the very beginning? I stink at this. Stink at it. And maybe you do too. And I fought like... I feel so hypocritical preaching this message because I stink at it. And so for you and for me, I'm not saying I've got it all together, so please follow my example. I can point to other people who are leaving a great example, but this is not one of those areas where your pastor is doing good. And so struggle along with me. But as we look at this, just remember Jesus' words in Matthew um, chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Is that you this morning? Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's spiritual burdens. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you, what's that word? Rest. Doesn't that word just sound so restful? Like, oh, I could take a little of that. He says, come, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find 
rest for your souls. What an invitation that Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, invites us to come to Him for rest. Not just physical rest, but rest for our souls, okay? So, today we're looking at the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment is the Sabbath. He, he says, we read it just a little while ago in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. So, we're going to answer a series of questions today. So, the first question we want to answer is, what is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? What does the word mean? What does the word Sabbath mean? The word Sabbath in the Hebrew language literally means to cease or to stop. To cease or to stop. That's what it means. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10, it kind of gives us some context of this, right? So let's look at it here in the Word. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So did you see that? You shall labor and do all your work on those six days. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then he lists everybody that could be in the house. All y'all. If it was the southern version. All y'all. Don't do it. You and knock it off. Cease. Cease or stop. That's what the word Sabbath means. So let's look at, let's think about in our minds and in the Bible, where did the Sabbath come from? Now we're here in Exodus 20. Um, we're probably somewhere close to 1,900 years, according to Scripture, after the creation of the world. Okay, So some 1,900 years, Moses, God through Moses gives a command, fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. Well, where does it come from? Is this the first time it's ever come up? And the answer is no. Where does it come from? Let's look all the way back to Genesis. Go back in your minds. Remember, there were six days of creation. On the seventh day, God rested. Now, before we get into this text on the screen, there's a Jewish Bible commentator, okay? And his name is, I'll do my best, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunchish. I nailed it, I promise. Just trust me. So this is what he pointed out. He pointed out that in all six days of creation, it is specifically mentioned that there was evening and morning. And it was good. Evening and morning on the first day, all the way first through six days. However, in the case of the seventh day, the Bible does not mention anything about evening and morning. Let's read it, okay, right here on the screen. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, so that rabbi continues on, and he says, while the first six days of the week were characterized by productiveness, productivity, meaning God created the heavens and the earth, everything that's in them, the seventh day was a day of rest, meaning that God ceased. He stopped all the work that he had done during creation. And so when one rests, there is no need for a distinction between morning and evening. This is what the rabbi points out. Now, I've never thought about that before. That that's the only day that God specifically doesn't mention morning and evening. In other words, there ought to be a day of rest 
without distinction for productivity of morning and evening. There ought to be a day of rest. He said, there's no distinction between morning and evening since the whole day looks the same. So what is the Sabbath? Where did it come from? It was a day of rest. Each day that God created, how did He do it? When God created, what did He do to create? What medium did He use to create everything that we know? Words. He spoke. Now think about this. He spoke every day. Six days of creation. Uh, He spoke everything that there was into existence. So the seventh day, think about it this way for me. Um, The seventh day was a day for God to inhale. And it's a day for us to catch our breath. It's a day for us to rest, to cease. It was a day for God to look at all that he had created and declare it good. A day to glory in his creation and for his creation to glorify him. And it's a day for us to give ourselves to give glory to our creator in rest. Exodus 16 is the second place that the the Sabbath really comes up. Exodus chapter 16. In your minds, go back with me. Or you can turn in your Bible. Exodus chapter 16 is the story of the manna. Do you remember this story? How the people of Israel came out of Egypt Uh, They were enslaved, and then God does this miraculous thing by parting the sea, and they come out um, uh, into the wilderness through the Red Sea, and they get out and they sing this joyous song of God's redemption in Exodus chapter 15, and then they get out, and they, they finish their song, and they go, you know what? We eat thirsty, and we're hungry, because the, the flatbread that I made back in Egypt has run out. So what do I do? And do you remember what God does? God makes, turns bitter water sweet, and God makes manna fall down from heaven, bread from heaven every morning, the living bread. Does that sound familiar for anybody? The living bread from heaven. And, and so God does this miraculously, and in the manna, there is a reminder of the Sabbath. Do you remember? He says, the first five days when you go out and you pick up manna, each, each person needs to get one day's worth. And what would happen if there was too much left over? It would breed worms and stink, right? It would go to waste. It would be useless. You gather too much, you're not trusting me. Remember, give us this day our daily bread. So you got to trust me. Go out and get exactly what you need. If you get a little too little, I'll make it stretch. But if you get too much, I'll make it stink. But on the sixth day when you go out, what did God command the people to do? Get two days worth. Now that was a measure of trust, wasn't it? Because what happened to the leftovers days one through five? The leftovers stank. But now God is going to do something different on the sixth day. On the sixth day, go out and get two measures. Two amounts. Two days worth. And if you'll trust me, I'll make it last. And so even in this, God is reinforcing the idea of the Sabbath to a new people. Remember, God had just redeemed them. Slaves. They're used to working all day, every day, from dusk to dawn. Dawn to dusk. 
All day. If there's light out, they're working. When they come home, they work. They prepare. They're getting their home in order. There is not a moment of rest for them. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, these people are going hard after it. And for the Israelites in slavery, their life was their work, and their worth was what they could accomplish for Pharaoh. Are you with me? Does this make sense? This is what they could accomplish. Now, ceasing, having a day to cease and stop from productivity and creation was an impossible paradigm for them to think about. We're slaves. He's not going to give us a day off. And so he bring, God brings them out. He redeems them. And even in this redemption story where he's providing manna, he begins to institute for the people of God a new thing that they'd never done before. You're going to rest one day. You're going to rest one day. What are we going to do on that day? Don't you think there was questions in the camp? What do we do on that day? We're not going to move anywhere. We're not going to go out and get food anywhere. What are we going to do that day? God is introducing them to this creation idea. The thing that he had created them for was to rest one day a week. And he's introducing them to the Sabbath. And he was going to miraculously provide for his family in the six days that it would last for seven. Because on the Sabbath day, they shouldn't gather. They shouldn't be busy. They shouldn't try to be productive because God would provide for their needs in a miraculous way as they cease from working, as they stop the busyness, and as they rest in the Lord, God would work. So God brought it about in creation and reintroduces it to the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 16. And here in chapter 20, He says, honor it. Keep it holy. Remember it every week. So let's talk through this idea. What is the Sabbath? I want to give you four things if you're taking notes. What is the Sabbath? Four things about the Sabbath that you can remember. Number one is the Sabbath is a big deal. The Sabbath is a big deal. It was a command. It was not simply a command, but Sabbath was instituted into a rhythm of life at the very beginning of creation. It was a command, but it was not just a Sinai command, but it was a creation order, the Sabbath was. Creation order. Now, let's be honest here. Why is it that the Sabbath is the only appropriate command for us to break? Now, if I were to say, hey, don't worry about the commandments. You can murder and commit adultery and steal. You would say, that man is crazy. But nobody talks about the Sabbath, do they? In fact, it's okay if we kind of do other stuff and work on the Sabbath. Now, question, question. Let's, let's get it out here. What day is the Sabbath? <laughs> Right, so some people are saying Sunday, some people are saying Saturday. What? Yeah, right. Okay, so we're going to come to that in a minute. But, but for the Jews, the Sabbath was Saturday. It was the seventh day. Now, when the church came along and the Lord Jesus was resurrected on Sunday, the people of God began to worship on Sunday. 
But the question is, did that change the Sabbath for the Jews? I never thought about that, preacher. Is Sunday our Sabbath day, or is it a day of worship? It's something that we need to ponder. Now, how do we justify breaking the Sabbath? Well, we do, but how do we do that? Now, I, I want to tell you, it's a big deal. It was so serious a deal that in Numbers chapter 15, in the wilderness, there's a man in the wilderness of the people of Israel on the Sabbath day. He's out collecting sticks to build a fire, and this is what happens. He collects sticks, and Israel's in the wilderness, he's doing it on the Sabbath day, and those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron, and to all of the congregation, this is what it says, they put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. Now, time out right there. You say, all right, he murders somebody. That makes sense. Put him to death, right? Commits adultery. You know, I could maybe go along with that. There are certain things that you would say the death penalty in this case might be appropriate, but you'd go, the man's just picking up some sticks. I mean, are you overreacting a little bit? And the answer is no, it's a big deal to God. The Sabbath is a big deal to God. The Lord said that this man should be put to death. Now, most of us, we'd say, hey, no big deal. But God says it's a big deal to him. And the man ended up dying for it. Now, it's a big deal. But the second thing that I want you to see is why. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, I may get in trouble. I might already be in trouble with you. But I may get in trouble again. Because did you know? Did you notice that the Sabbath had nothing to do or said nothing about going to church? Hold on, preacher man. I, I, I never thought about this before. The Sabbath doesn't say anything about going to church. Now, we're at church, right? And if you have been here this summer, you know how passionate I am about the local church and going to church and being a part of church. I preached five weeks about why church membership matters so much to our souls. You know that I believe that church is important and good and God instituted it and Jesus died for it. That he shed his blood and now the church is his bride and so we should gather. But the Sabbath doesn't say anything about that. Often when we think about the Sabbath, we think about the things we should and shouldn't do, right? How many of you grew up in a home where you, there was a laundry list of things that you could not do on Sunday, on the Sabbath, all right? Um, I, things I've heard, you, you, can't, uh, you can't iron clothes. Like I've heard that preachers and mamas and daddies would iron clothes on Saturday night because Sunday morning was the Sabbath and you can't do anything on the Sabbath and so they wouldn't iron clothes. Or they wouldn't cook lunches, and so the many, many times people would do a lot of the preparation stuff and then just put it real fast together. A lot of people would say, I don't care if those people out there at the restaurant work, but we can't work, so I'll just go to the restaurant and make them work for me, right? 
No mowing grass, no working in the yard. I mean, just the things, the laundry list of things that they said they could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And now I'm just going to push a little bit, and the Pharisees had a list like that too. Do you remember how we've been talking about the heart behind each of the commands? I think the Pharisees, like us sometimes, we're keeping the checklist, the laundry list of things we should and shouldn't do and missing the heart of the commandment. The heart of the commandment was not a list of things to do. I, I haven't found the list of things to do right here, have you? Jesus said it really well. One day Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field. And the disciples, what are they doing? They're hung- it's a Sabbath, they're hungry. And they begin to, as they're walking, what do they do? They take a grain uh, off the, the leaf. They take a grain, they pluck it, and they eat it. And what do the Pharisees say? Jesus, why are your disciples doing what's not lawful for them to do? Let's look what Jesus says. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 to 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, lean into me real quick. The Sabbath is not made for you to serve it, but the Sabbath was instituted for it to serve you. You've probably never thought about the Sabbath that way, have you? What did God do? He rested. Time out. Was God tired? The omnipotent one who has no beginning and no end and his might is incomparable. Did he get tired that day and say, whew, I need a break. Of course he didn't. But he's laying out for us how life works best and how humanity flourishes. And it's not all work and no play because all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Sorry, Mr. Jack. He's saying, life works best when you rest with me. When you come away with me. When you cease. When you stop. See, the Sabbath is a blessing for man, not a burden from God. Now, how many of us view it that way? Don't we often view the Sabbath as, oh man, I got on this day, there's things I can do and things I don't need to do. But the scripture reveals that the Sabbath was from God a blessing to all of mankind. Just stop. I don't know about you. But is that the way we think about the Sabbath? If, if we call Sunday the Sabbath, does Sunday always feel restful? Some people have asked, why don't you do Sunday evening services? Here's why. Because if Sunday is our Sabbath, we would come to church Sunday morning, we would go home, we would eat lunch, we would take a, a power nap, amen, to the glory of God, right? We'd take a power nap, then there would be meetings in the afternoon and then a church service at night and you and I would get home from Sunday evening church at 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night going, gosh, I'm exhausted. 
It's not meant to be that way, is it? If Sunday is our Sabbath day, that's not what God desired. It's a blessing. It's the Sabbath is made to serve us. Now, I've never said that because you know how I believe. But I have never said that God exists to serve you. But let me tell you, this day, the Sabbath exists to be a blessing to his people. How? Third thing I want you to see. The Sabbath was made for rest. The Sabbath was made for rest. I... Look back at our passage. Okay, Exodus 20. Look at verse 9. Six days you shall labor. Now, it's labor sounds just... I'm tired from reading the word labor. Six days you shall labor. Do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Okay, and then it goes on. Go down to verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What's the word holy mean? Set apart. Altogether different. Just like God is holy. There is no God like Him. Just like Jesus was holy. There has never been a man that has been like Jesus, the God-man. He is altogether different. He is otherworldly. And the Sabbath was made to be set apart for a specific purpose. And it was blessed by God. And it was given to us for a day of rest. Okay, Ryan. So if the Sabbath is not meant for me to accomplish a laundry list of things, what do I do on the Sabbath? Great question. It's next in my notes. It's a day for you to do anything but work. Mind blown, right? It's a day for you to cease from work, to stop working. Time out. What if I get an email? Don't read it. What if there's a problem? Guess what's going to be there on Monday morning? A problem. The Sabbath is holy. Keep it. No emails, no phone calls from our, our day job, the thing that we do, the thing that keeps us busy, that we work hard at and labor at. No emails, no phone calls, no problem solving, because all that's still going to be there tomorrow. Now, what if it's an emergency? Do you remember what Jesus says? If your ox is in a ditch, get it out. Sometimes there's an emergency that comes up. He says, if your ox falls into a ditch on a Sabbath, pull it out, for goodness sakes. Why? Because Jesus is not very big on legalism. He's coming after your heart. Because we can do all kinds of things with the wrong heart. Things that would please him if my heart were right. But if I do it with the wrong heart, is it pleasing? Don't you remember last week we looked at the phrase out of Isaiah 29, verse 13. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We can do that. The question is, where is my heart in this? Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. He did good deeds on the Sabbath. It's a day to cease from 
work, to stop, to rest, to inhale. Man, I've been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and giving and doing and serving all week long. The Sabbath is a day to go. So prioritize the things that fill your cup. This is going to sound so elementary, but we're so bad at it. Prioritize your relationship with God on the Sabbath. Just sit back. Sit outside and say, Lord, look at all you've created. Man, it's good. Thank you for doing that. Prioritize your relationship with God. Prioritize your family. Whether that's your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren, Miss Nita. Prioritize them on the Sabbath. Rest. Fill your cup. Now, I'm going to say something that might go against what you were taught in your upbringing. If you have a hobby that fills you up, do it. Now, how many of you heard, you can't fish on Sunday? Lord won't bless your fishing. I don't, I don't, I book a second hesitations, third opinions, I don't know. I can't find it. Right? The fishermen were fishing in Jesus' day. They were fishing not for a hobby. They were fishing for work, weren't they? What fills your cup? What refreshes you? Do that. Rest from labor. And find rest with Jesus. And I've found that outside on a hiking trail i found that on a body of water i found that in my front yard i found that on my couch or at my kitchen table to rest now couldn't god have created us to work 24 7 like a bunch of little robots but he didn't he created me to need eight hours of sleep i'm like a human infant if you an adult infant, a big-sized infant right here. Because if I don't get enough sleep, I'm grumpy. My, did, did Sutton just... I'm grumpy. Why? Because God created us to turn off for a period of time every day and for a day every week. It's good for us. It's a blessing to us. And we fail that one, don't we? He was teaching us something in Numbers 15. It's so serious to God that it deserved the death penalty, but if we don't cease from work and come away with God, it just might kill me. It just might. The pressure is there, whether you're working in the secular world or whether you're working in the ministry. The pressure is there to always be on, to always be going, to always be doing, to always be available, to always answer your phone, to always be the problem solver, the person that everybody can call. The pressure is on, and gosh, it's hard to turn off. But it's good for us to be able to turn off. Now, what day is the Sabbath? Paul, in the epistles, comes and he says, some people, they think this day is the Sabbath, and some people, they honor this day. It's not about the day. 
In the book of Colossians, he says, don't let anyone pass judgment over you about the day, the Sabbath festivals. It doesn't matter what day you can take the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor it. Rest. I know a lot of preachers who sure enough don't take Sunday off. Find a day. And maybe your work schedule doesn't allow you to do it Saturday. So find a day. Rest. Now, last thing I want you to hear. Sabbath is a test of trust. Don't miss this. The Sabbath is a test of trust. Okay? One way the Sabbath is a test of trust is that it's a trust about my identity. Many of us, we work and struggle and strive to climb the ladder or whatever that is or to do and help so that my identity might be found in what I do. Now, question mark. Is it good that I find my identity in what I do? No, it's not. Because I'm not always going to be able to do what I do. What happens if I lose the ability to do what I do? What happens if my voice goes? And my identity is preacher. My life is wrecked. If you are a construction worker, a, a manager of some business, and you lose your ability to function in that way, who are you if that's your identity? It's a test of trust. And what I'm trusting is I trust what God says about me. That the most important things to God is not what I do for Him, but who I am in Him. That I am redeemed. That I am His child. That I am His creation. That I am loved. That I am holy in Christ. That I am perfect in Christ. That I am one of His beloved in Christ. I am the bride of Christ. I am useful in Christ. That's my identity. And so, for so many of us, our identity has been wrapped up in what I do for a living, and God says, but I just want you to take a day and stop doing what you do for a living so that you can just rest and remember who you are enveloped in me. Because that's where our identity is. Our identity is not in these external things, but our identity is enveloped in Christ. Second reason it's a test of trust I trust that God will provide for me when I live in obedience. Now, think about it this way. Exodus chapter 16, right? On the first five days that the people gathered too much, it stank bread worms. It was a test. The Sabbath was a test of trust. I will provide for you if you will obey my fourth commandment. Now, it's also like tithing. Tithing is a test of trust. Because what tithing says is that God can do more with your 90% or 90% with His blessing over it than you could ever do with 100% without His blessing. God is a way better manager of your money or the resources that He has given to you. He is a way better manager and steward of those things than you are. And so if you will trust Him with them... He can do far more with 90% than you can with 100. And the same is true in the Sabbath. 
that God can be more productive in us and through us with six days than we ever can be with seven. It's a test of trust. Because what does he say? This day, it's the Sabbath. It's holy. I blessed it. Remember it. Keep it. It's a test of trust. And lastly, it, it's a, I trust God's greater Sabbath. Now here's what I mean about that. Christopher read a passage in Hebrews chapter 4 just a little while ago. And it says, there remains a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was a day to cease from work, to rest in what God had done, to meet with the Lord. There was a man who came. His name was Jesus. Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath in Matthew or in Mark chapter 2. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath reminds us that God is the creator of all things. Jesus reminds us that all of our works for Christ do not matter. But what matters is not what we do, but what Christ has done. That there is a rest that comes for you and for me when we rest in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we can spend our lives working our way onto God, God's good graces or trying to earn our way into heaven. And we will fail and fall short and we will be cursed for all eternity. But God, in His rich mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, sent Jesus to live a sinless life, die a sinner's death, to do what we couldn't do, that we might in Him trust a greater Sabbath and rest. That we might find rest for our souls. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did. Can you just imagine if, if you're trying to work your way into heaven? Always feeling like, oh, I should have done a little more. I wonder if I did enough. And on the cross, our Savior said, it is finished. And you know what we now can do? Monday morning, I had a privilege of watching an 82-year-old man that's been a part of our church family for a long time trust in Jesus 82 the gospel is still the power of God for salvation 82 years old we're walking to the door of his house I'm on my way I've just I'm leaving and this is, these are the exact things that he said to me. There was just a pressure on me, and I couldn't explain it. But I feel so much better now. It's gone. The Sabbath day is a day to inhale take a breath, to meet with the Lord, to be refreshed. And our greater Sabbath is a day where we learn to trust in the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ who did everything for us to relieve the pressure from us to take it upon Himself 
that we might be saved through them. Today, I think there's a lot of different things. I think we've got three practical questions up on the, the, the screen for you. And those practical questions are pretty simple. Have I ignored God's command to remember the Sabbath? Yes. For Ryan Perry, yes. The second question is why? The why might be the more important question. Because it's going to tell us something about ourselves. The third is what will I have to change to keep a Sabbath day? Maybe today the first Sabbath you need to keep is Jesus. You need to come and come to Him and trust Him, place your faith in Him and to be saved from all the laboring to earn your way into heaven and trust that Jesus has made a way when there is no way. He has, he has done for you what you couldn't do. He is, in fact, the bread of life who will meet all your needs. And He has come from heaven to save you. So would you stand with me?